Welcome to a powerful message from the Lighthouse Chapel International, Bronx North Branch. Lighthouse Chapel International branches worldwide provide every member the training, support, and encouragement to fulfill the Great Commission and to go to heaven and hear Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. This evening, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come before you once again to hear your word. We ask, Spirit of God, that you have your way amongst us. Lord, let it not be of any man's wisdom, but let it be the engrafted word of God. I pray, Lord, that you give me the tongue of a learned writer. I pray, O God, that your word will go forth and it will bless us. It will accomplish the purpose for which it is being sent. Let our lives change. Let us live here with a new understanding and a new level in our walk with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Wonderful. Well, I began sharing with you a very important message. And... um, I, uh, I want to put a little pause on that message, and today I want to share something that is very, very important with you. We will pick up again. As for love, I will never stop sharing about love, and um, I am going to, there's something that I'm preparing to share with you, and so, um, yes, but today I want to share with you about seared conscience. Seared conscience. And I think it's a very important message. It is something that we need to be aware of and be conscious of. Seared is spelled S-E-A-R-E-D. Seared. Conscience. You know how to spell conscience. Some people don't. So let me spell it for you. Conscience. Seared is S-E-A-R-E-D. And conscience, C-O-N-S. C-I-E-N-C-E. Conscience. It's, it, it's not spelled the way it sounds, but you can understand it. C-O-N-S-C-I-E-N-C-E. Conscience. Now, what does it mean, conscience? What does conscience mean? I was looking at it in a dictionary, and... Um, I found this meaning. Conscience. It says, the inner sense of what is right or wrong in one's conduct or motives. The inner sense, the inner sense of what is right or wrong in one's conduct or motives. Impelling one towards right action. That is conscience. The inner sense of what is right or wrong. That inner sense of what is right or wrong in one's conduct or one's motives. Impelling one towards the right action. Conscience impels you towards the right action. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It also means the complex of ethical and moral principles. The complex of ethical and moral principles that controls or inhibits the actions or thoughts of an individual. The conscience conscience means the complex of ethical and moral principles that controls or inhibits the actions or thoughts of an individual. Do you see? So, regardless of your ethical background, regardless of your tradition, regardless of your moral principles, that conscience, that inner conscience, that which is there, it, it controls or inhibits your actions or your thoughts. Hallelujah. It also means an inhibiting sense of what is prudent. 
an inhibiting sense of what is prudent. That means that when you have conscience, when your conscience is clear, it makes you do that which is prudent. Hallelujah. It is, so it is our conscience that controls us. It is our conscience that makes us do certain things or not do certain things. Do you understand? So it is very important. Now the conscience, spiritually, is the inner voice or the inner man. The conscience is what God has given us. God has given each person this inner voice or inner man that is called conscience. Hallelujah. Do you understand so far? Or it's too high for you? Hallelujah. We will try. We will get there. Amen. So the conscience is that still small voice that is in you. It is that still small voice that is in you. It is that voice that can boldly. You see, it is that voice that can boldly tell you you are wrong or you are right. Amen. You know, sometimes when a husband and his wife get into disagreement or they get into argument, you know, the wife may be saying all sorts of things. The wife may say a lot of things. And the husband will strongly dispute each one of them. Do you see? But when you sit down, you realize that there's an inner voice that will tell you, brother, you are wrong. Do you see? There is that inner voice that will minister to you. And it can tell you boldly. You see, your wife can come around it in so many ways to tell you that you are wrong. Because if she says you are wrong, you will fight it. But this inner voice will strongly tell you that you are wrong or you are right. You know, there are certain people that nobody can tell them if they are wrong. Nobody can tell them you are wrong. But this inner voice is not afraid of you. This inner voice will tell you that you are wrong. Sometimes even in your sleep, it will wake you and it will tell you that you are wrong. You are really wrong with this issue. Amen. It's not afraid of you. Hallelujah. And if your conscience is clear, if your conscience is intact, it will, it will make you, it will make you or it will impel you towards the right thing. It will impel, is it, it's that which impels one towards the right action. Hallelujah. Now when you hear a preaching message, when you hear a message, when, you, when the word of God is shared, there is that inner voice also that preaches to you. When we share the word of God, there is the inner voice that is also ministering to you. And in fact, sometimes it is that inner voice, if sometimes you look at your nose, that inner voice makes you add certain things even to the message. That inner voice sometimes gives you certain windows, certain examples. That inner voice sometimes brings certain things to remembrance. And then it tells you, as the message is going on, it brings certain people in mind and it, it touches areas and it brings things together and it sort of makes sense and it makes you accept the message. Hallelujah. So you realize that the, the preaching of the word by the preacher, it does maybe about 10% of really preaching to you. And 90% of it is done by the conscience. 90% of the message is done by the conscience. Hallelujah. So you, if, you, if your conscience is intact, you realize that you'll be so blessed by a message that is shared. Amen. As the preaching is going on, you realize that your conscience begins to minister to you. And then it will tell you, this is true. This is really true. Sometimes it will tell you, sometimes it will, it will confirm to you that he's saying this to you. You are talking to me. How many of you have felt like that before? The message, as the message is going on, you can say that the preacher is talking to me. Sometimes as the preaching is going on, you wonder if your wife has spoken to the pastor or, you know, because the con- I mean, your conscience is telling you that this is me. This is me in the message. Amen. 
And that is why it, sometimes it brings a lot of trouble also. Especially if you have told that issue to someone, then automatically you feel that the person has spoken to the pastor. And that is why he's preaching like that. It is the conscience. Amen. It ministers to you. It reminds you. And then it reminds you, do you remember you did this before? This thing that the pastor is talking about, you've done it before. Sometimes it even reminds you the thing that you are planning to do, that is what he's talking about. Sometimes you make certain decisions, you are coming to do, you are planning to do some wild thing. And then when you come, it's the message that is being preached. And the conscience will tell you that this is what you are planning to do. It will show you. Amen. Sometimes you are planning to buy something. And then you come to church and then you change your mind about buying that thing. Amen. You change your mind about buying that thing after you have listened to a certain message. But when your conscience is not there, it doesn't prick you. It doesn't do anything to you. You still go. But when your conscience is intact, you see it's ministering to you as the preacher is preaching. And your conscience will tell you, you need to change. You need to. It will tell you boldly. As you are sitting there, it will tell you, this, you need to change. You need to change. You see, the preacher cannot tell you that. The preacher cannot point hands and point finger and say, you, you need to change. But as the message is coming on, it will tell you that you need to change. It will tell you that you need to change. Amen. And sometimes you, you can even openly, you will pass it on to someone. Openly. You see, as we are all sitting down, you can say, you can shout, oh, pastor, give it to them. And then you say, you are dialing some numbers. You say, you don't say you are dialing my number. You say, you are dialing some numbers. Do you see? But the conscience will tell you, sister, take it for yourself. This is for you. You can openly pass it on, but your conscience will minister to you. Hallelujah. And will tell you not to pass it on. Romans chapter 9 and verse 1. Romans chapter 9 and verse 1. Hallelujah. It says, Wherefore, Mercy. He says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. He says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Paul is saying that my conscience agrees with what I am saying in the Holy Ghost. As the Spirit is ministering, my conscience is also bearing me witness. My conscience is also ministering and agreeing with the Spirit. Hallelujah. My conscience is also confirming what the Spirit is saying. Now we need that. We need that our conscience will have the ability to bear us witness with the Spirit. It is important that our conscience will bear us witness with the Spirit. It is important that our conscience will agree with the Spirit. Hallelujah. So he says, my conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Ghost. So it means that your conscience can also tend to agree with the Holy Spirit or agree with the preacher's word or disagree. Yes. Your conscience can disagree with what the preacher is saying. Hallelujah. Your conscience can totally disagree and it will give you reasons why what the preacher is saying is not valid. In your case. Amen. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with? So it is important to be conscious of what your conscience is saying. And it's important to know the state of your consciousness. It is very important. Seared conscience. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. 
Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. The Spirit speaketh expressly. Let's read that from the New Living Translation. Or the NIV, whichever we have. Do we, we have the NIV? Yeah. It says, The Spirit clearly, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. Some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Mercy. There are things that are taught by demons. You, does it mean that you can be taught by demons? Yes. The Bible is saying, listen, there is no the spirit is saying clearly, expressly means that not in not other interpretation. You cannot assign different interpretation to. He said the spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. You'll be following deceiving spirits, and you will be taught by demons. You will learn things that are taught by demons. Amen. That is, you have left the faith. He says, such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with iron, as with hot iron. Your conscience have been seared. He says, whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods. You see, this is what the focus becomes. Amen. Recently, someone was telling me about some preacher. I think he comes on TV, or I'm not sure where he comes on, but teaches some weird, strange things, certain channel. He was telling me about some channel, channel 72 or something like that on the bronze net, something, something. You know? And you see, you see, these things are written in the Bible. He said they forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created, he says, for everything God created is good and nothing, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and by prayer. Hallelujah. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? It says that you have seared conscience. It says such teachings come from hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with hot iron. Now, seared conscience is a conscience that does not impel you in doing the right thing. Amen. Now, you by all means will have conscience. You will by all means have conscience. And your conscience will impel you in doing the right thing. And if it is seared, that means that now it doesn't make you do the right thing or take the right action, but it will make you do evil things. Hallelujah. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing this evening? When you will have seared conscience, it is the type of person that disagrees with every part of the message. And your conscience gives you reason for every part of the message. And then you say, oh, he's saying what he's saying because he doesn't understand my situation. He's saying what he's saying because he doesn't know. He, doesn't, he, he has not experienced certain things before. Amen. He's saying what he's saying. He's immature. He's a child. Let him grow up. He will understand. He will not be saying these things. He's saying what he's saying because he's not in my shoes. You see, the word of God is true. And the Bible says it has been tried and it has been tested. So, it is regardless of your situation. And what your situation is, it has been done before. People have gone through the same situation before. And the word of God stands true still. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? 
So there is nothing new under the sun. They say that that which has been is that which shall be. What you are going through is not new to the word of God. So that when we share from the word of God for you to say, he doesn't understand my situation. You see, Reverend, what you are saying is true, you know, up to this point. But if you factor in my issue, then, you know, it, it makes it a different thing. No. Hallelujah. It cuts across race, color, culture, tradition. Hallelujah. It cuts across. But when you have seared conscience, you have reason, you have a, a lot of things come to you to reject what is being preached. When you have seared conscience, the word of God has no effect on your actions. It has no effect on your decisions. It has no effect on your thoughts. It has no effect on anything that you do. And when you have seared conscience, you feel so right in your mind. It's like a teenager. Hallelujah. Amen. A seared conscience is like a diabetic foot. You see, when someone has suffered from diabetes for a long time, when you have suffered from diabetes for a long time, it, you develop what we call nephropathy, uh, neuropathies. Now, neuropathies means that um, your nerves are all dead. It means, you see, someone who has diabetes that has not been treated well or that has not been controlled, that person can step on a nail and he will not feel it. When you have seared conscience, that is how the word of God becomes to you. You become like a diabetic foot. You step on needles, you step on needles, but it will not hurt you. So the word of God is coming and clearly it affects you. It is against what you are doing, but you have good reasons to refuse what the word is saying. That is seared conscience. Amen. Kenneth Hagin talked about a man who had his mouth burned such that the man can take a pot of water right from the stove and drink it and he doesn't feel anything. That is why the word of God becomes to you when you have seared conscience. Hallelujah. Now there are certain sins that sometimes you commit and when you commit them over and over and over again, in that area, you develop a seared conscience. Hallelujah. You see, when you begin to lie and you lie and you lie and you lie and you lie, you realize that lying is not anything ordinary to you anymore. In fact, when the truth can even deliver you and save you, you choose to lie. Amen. your, Your conscience becomes seared as far as the truth is concerned. When you live in fornication and you, you fornicate and fornicate and fornicate, you're living in fornication and continue living in fornication and living in fornication. At some point, it's ordinary to you. It is not. That is why after you have lived in fornication for a while, you realize that you are living with a person and you think it's your husband. You would think it's your husband. And then you begin to refer to him as a husband. And when people refer to him as your husband, you are okay with it. Because your conscience is now seared in that area. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? It does not make it right. Your conscience is what is seared. And so you are living in sin every day, but you don't see anything wrong with it. You haven't, you, it's like you are raising a family like everyone else because your conscience is seared. You are having children. It is our children. And we sit and dine as a family it's sin. You are living in sin, clearly. Hallelujah. Don't live in, don't, never live with a man who has married you, who has not married you. Don't live with a man who has not married you. Amen. It means that your conscience is seared. Your conscience, is, your conscience can be seared by sins. Your conscience can be seared by sins. You see, when a child is born, when a child is born, you realize that um, children, as they're growing up, for instance, they have their conscience intact. And so it is the child, it's so easy for the child to tell you the truth. 
the child will say as it is. Do you see? It is when they are growing up that you begin to teach them to sear their conscience. That is when you begin to teach them. And then you say, when we get to, like you take them to the, um, the park, you take them to the, the, the ride, and you are paying at the gate, you tell them, when they ask you, say you are eight. Because from age two to eight, is free. Do you see? And so you get there and the child says, they say, how old are you? He say, I am. And then you look at you for their conscience to bring back to, and then you see the child automatically, their conscience is okay and it's intact. So the moment they ask, the, the first thing that is coming out is the truth. And then the child may say, I am eight. And then you have to pay. But when he comes back, you whip the child and whip him to bring him to a state where you can sear his conscience. You change their names. Do you see? You change their names. And then they go, so when they ask you, and then you teach, they say, what did I say when they ask you, you should say? <laughs> and then you ask, what did I tell you? Okay. How, what did I say your age is? How old are you? And then you teach them that. You see, you're taking the truth out of them. Amen. Am I preaching to some parents? So children, their conscience is intact. But as they are growing up, as they are growing up, they get exposed to certain sin. They get to exposed to certain sin. It is sin that sears our conscience. It is sin. When the sin has come over us and come over us, when we have lived in the sin and lived in the sin for a long time, then it sears our conscience. Hallelujah. Amen. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Amen. And let's read from verse um, let's read from verse 18. He says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlinesses, all the godliness and the wickedness of people. He says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. Do you understand the scripture? God has made it plain to us about his truth. But he says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness, all the godlessness and the wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to us. God has made it plain to us to be so that he will be known to us. He says, how? He says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God's presence and the existence of God has been clearly made and has been shown us so that we will not have any excuse to say that there is no God. We have no excuse. And clearly we can see, even if you look at the tree alone, look at a tree and how that the tree springs up and how the tree brings forth its branches, the leaves, and how the leaves take the sun as energy, takes the air, the carbon dioxide and manufactures food and all these things, just the tree alone, simple tree. Looking at the simple tree, you can see the creation and you can see the wonders of God. But you see, our wickedness makes us neglect and overlook the presence of God. And that, you see, if I tell you, if I come and I tell you, I take you outside and we see a nice Mercedes Benz. Very nice one. Now I I hear that they've made a new Mercedes Benz 
such that you can, you can put on cruise control. And when it's cruising, you can even fall asleep. If you fall asleep, it will stay in the lane. Once you put in the calculation, it will calculate and it will know which lane it is staying in. And it will stop before a car that is in front of it. So it will not hit the car. It will not go. So even if you are falling asleep and it's going to another lane, it will bring itself back in the lane. But you see, a car like that, you can't drive it in a place, certain place, which uh, another country where the name starts with a G. Because the calculation has taken all the lanes, you know, the maps into calculate and has calculated everything. So if you take, you don't buy a car like that and take it to a certain country whose name begins with a G. Can't drive it there. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> that you would have wasted your money. But you see, when I take you out and you see something like that. So David, if I take you and you see a car like that and I tell you, oh, this car, there was a big bang and this car came into being. Would you believe that? You may think I am mad. You may think that something is wrong with me. Do you see? You may think that something is wrong with me if I come to say that even this iPad that you are are holding, if I say there was a big bang and this came. Oh, you know what? Would you, would you agree with me? But something as complex as God's creation, something as complex as you are, something as complex as how your brain works, somebody can come and tell you that this, there was a big bang and then your brain came into existence, that the neurons and how the neurons work and how they conduct system and they conduct information, how your eye works, how the eye works, how the lens of your eye works, how the pupils constrict to allow certain amount of light in and to dilate, to allow, to form an image on the retina to send it to the brain, to, for the brain to interpret it, to tell you that this is what you are seeing, that you can understand and believe that it came from a big bang and that was possible. Hallelujah. And you say, you see, God's creation is so apparent before us. The presence of God, that God exists, that there is a supreme being behind all of this. It is so clear and so apparent behind, uh, before us. But our wickedness and our godlessness makes us reject God. Hallelujah. And these things come, out, come upon us as we continue to live in sin. Amen. Let us read on. It says, for since the creation... Of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. It is the foolishness of your heart, the foolish heart that is darkened, that makes you neglect even the presence and the existence of God. Amen. Because the Bible says that when you know God, when you acknowledge that God exists and that God is there, that is the beginning of your wisdom. That is when you have started having wisdom. Just accepting that God exists. That is the beginning. That is just, you have just begun to have wisdom. And so anyone that says there is no God, that person has not even come close to getting wisdom. It's a scripture. I'm not trying to insult anyone. You know. Amen. It says, for though, it says, for though they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. You see, they see the they see the creation. They see how God has provided. A, you see, people rise up and they don't even thank God. They don't. People rise up and they're breathing. There's air that they are breathing. And they don't thank God. They don't thank God. They don't acknowledge that God has made this, even this provision. Amen. But all of that came from a big bang. You see, they don't thank God. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. It is a darkened, foolish heart that does not give thanks to God. 
If you rise up and you don't thank God for even having the ability that you, you rose up and you open your eyes and you are still seeing. And you are not thanking God. Somebody, there is something called, it says, says amuragus fugas. It means that a curtain just falls. It's like a curtain has just fallen over your eyes. And just suddenly, you are blind. You can't see anything. A retina detachment. That's at the back of your eye. Something just falls off like that. You can't see again. No one can fix it. No one can fix it. And you will not thank God for that. You will not thank God for that. Amen. Amen. He says they don't thank God because of their foolish hearts which are darkened. Although they claim to be wise, they became fools. It's a sad place to be. I'm telling you, it's a sad place to be when you are fool, when you are a fool, but you claim to be wise. It is a very sad place to be. He says, although, he says, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave him thanks, but their thinking became futile. Although they claimed to be wise, they became foolish and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds, animals, and reptiles. Therefore, therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with another, with one another. It is when we have seared conscience that we have neglected God completely in our lives that God gives us over to a reprobate mind. In the King James Version, the Bible says God gave them over to a reprobate mind. He says that, and God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. They are, they, they are praising the, the, the created things. They are serving the created things instead of the creator. It comes with a seared conscience. You know, it is only with a seared conscience that you will see the creation of God and say it is from a big bang. It means that you are, your conscience is so seared that you don't want to bring God in anything that you do. Today, people are talking about taking God from the American dollar. Take, why do we have to write in God we trust? It is, um, what do they call it? Um, they have all sorts of things to say that, what about us who do not trust in God? And we are all using the same money. Why should we all hold the money that says in God we trust? What about us who do not trust in God? It is only seared conscience. You see, and they have, they, have, they have reasons and they have doctrines to support this kind of teaching. Now, the Bible says this kind of teachings, they are teachings from demons. They are teachings from demons. Yeah. They are teachings from demons. Amen. That they take God out of. They want to take God out of everything. Now, people, there are people who are fighting that. Why should we celebrate Christmas? Why should, we, why should we close our businesses? Why should, we, why should we take Christmas Day as a holiday for the nation? And not all of us believe in this Christ. Amen. And so actively, there are people who are lobbying and actively working to, so that we will not make Christmas a holiday. And so they are arguing. Then, then we should also have a Muslim national holiday. That they want all of us to also stay home and close all stores. But there's only one God. I said there is only one God. And he is our savior. Amen. There's only one God. He says because of this, God gave them over to a shameful lust. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Shameful lust. It is the generation of shameful lust. Shameful lust. 
There are sights that when you see, you have to close your eyes. If your conscience works and if your conscience is intact, there are certain sights when you see, it's shameful lust that human beings have gotten to this lower level. It says that even their women exchange natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men with men. Men with men. Hallelujah. Men with men. And, it, and, 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 and now it is something that is being accepted into government, it's being accepted into churches, it is being accepted at workplaces. It is, if you say anything, you can be persecuted. If you say, you, know, you see, it is seared conscience. Seared conscience. Amen. Amen. Seared conscience. Christians ought to pray. Hallelujah. Say, in the same way, the men also abandon natural relations with women. And were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with one, with other men, and received in themselves the due penalty for their errors. Yeah. The due penalty. The word of God is so true. Beloved, the word of God is so true. This was written more than 2,000 years ago, and it's still true. That is what you are living to see today. It says that, and they suffered. It says that um, they received the. the and themselves receive the due penalty for their errors. There's the reason why HIV has come to the degree where it is killing people was as a result of this. You know, when it first came, it was commonly among homosexual men. And then the government neglected it because when they, they brought it to their attention and it says, it's killing these homosexual men, they looked and they laughed and said, well, then it's good. Do you see? And now it has jumped to because there are men who also are, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. He says, furthermore, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They do what not ought to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters. They hate God. There are people who hate God. There are people who are burning down churches. There are people who rise up to go into churches and kill people who love God. Out of their hatred for God. What will make a person come to? Beloved, be very careful of sin. Because it sears your conscience. It sears your conscience. Hallelujah. You see, God created us. You see, we all were created by God. And he placed in us that inner man, inner voice, that conscience. is in everyone. Hallelujah. It is in everyone. But when you are, your conscience is seared, then you come to this stage. He says, they are God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. Now, I'm showing you all these things, that if these things are in you, it means that your conscience is also seared. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree, that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who appreciate them or who practice them. Hallelujah. What a shock. It is our sin that makes us become like that. When you become, that's why when you become born again, you see, your conscience, it is not automatically clear. When you become, you see, when you receive Christ, you cannot say that because you've received Christ, now automatically you do good things. When you receive Christ, it does not mean that today you are born. That is why I pity some of you young women who bring men to church and ask them to give their lives to Christ and you think that now they are okay to marry. It's a shameful thing. 
Because when you receive Christ, your conscience is still seared. Your soul has been delivered, but your conscience is seared. That is why he said that, he said that you, he will give you a shepherd who will deliver you, a shepherd who will deliver you, a shepherd who will lead you and guide you. Hallelujah. A shepherd who, as you are listening to the preaching of the word, as you are being ministered to, as you are being, your mind is being redeemed. Your mind is being renewed. You are taking certain decisions. You are making certain decisions about certain things that you used to do. Amen. Some of you, you used to do some wicked things. But by the grace of God, as the word of God has come, your mind has changed. Amen. Your mind has been changed. Your mind has been transformed. The Bible says, and be ye, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind ought to be renewed. Amen. Let's read the scripture in Romans chapter 2 and then we will go home. I will continue on next time we meet. Romans chapter 2 and verse 12. Romans chapter 2 and verse 12. I want to read this from the message version. Do we have the message? Let's read it. Romans chapter 2 and verse 12. It says, If you sin without knowing what you are doing, God takes that into account. Do you see? So sometimes you sin, but you are not sure. You know, you don't know what you are doing. That, the Bible says God takes that into account. Okay. Now into what account? <laughs> Hallelujah. So I think with this scripture, I think we can understand why certain children, you know, sometimes people ask, what about a child who is not old enough to receive Christ when the person dies? And so on and so forth. But it says, if you sin without knowing what you are doing, God takes that into account. You don't know what you are doing, God takes that into account. But if you sin, now this is the part for Christians. It says, if you sin, knowing full well what you are doing, that is a different story entirely. Donna, isn't that so? If you sin and you know full well what... And that is what we also do with our children. If they do something wrong and they don't know, you pardon them. But when they do something, knowing full well that what you are doing is wrong, that is a different story altogether. It says, merely hearing God's law or God's word is a waste of your time if you don't do what he commands. Doing and not hearing is what makes the difference with God. Beloved, your work with God it is the doing and not the hearing. So that is why when you come to church and you are excited, be more concerned about you doing what you hear. Not that you just hear and you are excited and then you go out and you are the same person again. He said, let your mind, let your mind be renewed. Amen. He says, when outsiders, now outsiders are unbelievers. He says, when outsiders who have never heard of God's word or God's law, when they follow it more or less by instinct. Now, the instinct is the conscience, the inner man, the inner voice. He says, when they follow it by instinct, they confirm its truth by their obedience. They confirm the truth of God's word by their obedience. Do you see? So, even unbelievers, they have that conscience in them. And sometimes you see that a person does not go to church, a person does not, is not born again, but he does certain good things. You see, because all of us were created by God, and that inner voice is in us. But it is sin upon sin, sin upon sin, that sears our conscience. That makes us not even do the right thing anymore. Amen. It says, they confirm its truth by their obedience. They show that God's law is not something alien. God's law is not something foreign. The word of God is not something foreign. The word of God is not something out of this world. It says that they show that God's law is not something alien imposed on us from without. It is not something that is imposed from us. Imposed in us from without means it's coming from outside onto us. But it is in us. It is in us. And what has that, what, the thing that has the law of God and has God's word is the conscience that is in you. The inner voice. That is in you. It is, it is not imposed upon you. Sashili, do you understand the word of God tonight? 
Amen. He says, there is something deep within them that echoes God's yes and no. There is something deep within you, even the unbeliever. There is something deep within them that echoes God's yes and no. That is why sometimes you find, you, you can't, it's not every unbeliever that will pick up a gun and go to school and start shooting people. But there's something deep within them that echoes God's yes and no. And God's right and wrong. You see, their response to God's yes and no will become public knowledge on the day God makes his final decision about every man and woman. When God calls us, that is when we will know what the inner voice has done to you. Hallelujah. What your response has been. What the inner voice has told you and what you have done and what you have not done. Hallelujah. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? So when we preach, there is another voice. There is another person who is also preaching to you. There is another voice that is ministering to you. And if, you are, if your conscience is clear and your conscience is intact, you see that you agree with that voice. If you are a thief and we are preaching about stealing, you will find a whole lot of reasons why the message does not apply to you. Amen. Amen. If you are an adulterer, you are married and you are sleeping with other people's wives or other people's husbands or other men or other women, whichever way, and we are preaching about adultery, you see that your conscience, your conscience is fighting the message. But when, you have, when you, your conscience is intact, you find yourself agreeing. And then you find yourself, certain women come in mind. Oh, this woman, I shouldn't have. Oh, this one, that one. Do you see? If your conscience is intact. But when your conscience is not intact, you find yourself giving reasons why you are, my wife is like this, my wife is like that. That is why I'm doing this. If my wife was not like this, I would not be doing that. I would not be doing this. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? And so we give a lot of reasons why we do certain things. It's because our conscience are not intact, but they are seared. I have certain examples of um, people whose conscience spoke to them, but um, I think our time is up. So um, I'll give those examples to you next time that we come. I've, I don't... My, my conscience pricking me that um, Reverend, you are the one that said that um, you will stick to your time. So, put your hands together for Jesus. Clap for Jesus. And stand onto your feet. Stand onto your feet. Amen. Let your conscience, your conscience, your conscience, let your conscience prick you. Let your conscience prick you. He says, the conscience is that which impels you to do the right thing. It is that which impels you to take the right action. It is that which impels you to take good decisions. Let your conscience break you. 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 you. Oh, let your conscience break you. When your conscience breaks you, it will tell you that what you are doing is wrong. It will show you and it will guide you into taking the right action in taking the right decisions when your conscience breaks you when your conscience breaks you yes oh beloved when your conscience breaks you when the message comes what is the inner voice telling you is the inner voice telling you that this is your message is the inner voice telling you that this applies to you what is the conscience telling you what is the conscience ministering to you this is called the seared conscience. The seared conscience is what rejects the existence of God. It rejects the presence of God. It rejects the word of God. It rejects the law of God. But let your conscience break you. Let your conscience minister to you. Oh, yes. The cry of my heart is to love
cry of my heart. The cry of my heart is to love, is to you, love more, you more. To live in the touch of your hand. Oh, stronger each day. Oh Lord, show me your ways. Oh, yes. it is our desire. So do the will of God. It is our desire that to obey the word of God. Father, let our minds be renewed. Tonight we ask of God, let our minds be renewed. May we accept that which pleases you. May we accept that which is acceptable unto you. May we accept that which is the will of God. Let our conscience break us. Let our conscience minister to us. Let our seared conscience be healed. Father, deliver us from certain sins. The sins that cause our conscience to be healed, to be seared. The sins that cause us to have seared conscience. He said, as much as I am. Oh, yes. Show me your way. Sing the cry of my heart. The cry of my heart is to love you to live with the touch of your hand, stronger each day. Show me your ways. Show me your ways. Father, we are thankful tonight for your word. Lord, we ask, O oh God, that you help us, O oh Lord. Deliver us, O oh God, from these sins. The sins, oh God, that we live in, that cause us to have seared conscience. Father, let our conscience be clear that we are accept that which is good and acceptable unto you. Father, we ask, oh God, that you clear our conscience, that we accept the will of God, that we acknowledge the presence of God. Father, that we accept your word as the final and authoritative. Lord, cleanse us and help us. Heal us of our seared conscience. Heal us of our seared conscience. Let the word of God affect us. Let the message of God affect us. Let the preaching of your word affect our lives. In the name of Jesus. Lord, may we not be the same. May we not be hearers of your word and not doers. May we not be like the man who looks in the mirror, behold his very face and walks away, forgetting who he looks like. But may we be hearers of your word and the doer of it also. For you say such a person is blessed in his deed. We ask your God, as we come and as we go, Father, may we not be ordinary Christians. May we not be like the world. May our minds not be of the world. But may we have renewal of our minds in the name of Jesus. Let our conscience be clear. Let our conscience be intact. Let our conscience impel us in doing the right things. Let our conscience impel us in taking the right decisions. Let our conscience impel us in taking the right actions. In the name of Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Let the blood of Jesus wash our conscience and clear our conscience and purify us. Set us free from these sins that cause us to have seared conscience. We are thankful and grateful tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your word in the name of Jesus. If there's anyone here tonight, you are not born again, you want to give your life to Jesus. Beloved, you come and you go, you come and you go, but you know in your heart that if you were to die today, you are not certain of where you are going. Tonight, you can make that certainty. You can have that assurance. Jesus is here to save you. Jesus is here to receive you. His arms are all stretched and he's welcoming you. If that is you tonight, you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to come to Jesus. I want Jesus to take over my life. If that is you, wherever you are, lift up your right hand and I'll pray with you. You say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Is that you? Lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. Anyone here like that? Why don't you all join me and let us say this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I have sinned against you. Lord Jesus, 
Let the blood of Jesus wash me. Cleanse me from all my sins. Lord Jesus, tonight, I avail my heart to you. I welcome you into my life. Be my Lord. Be my master. Be my savior. Lord Jesus, please write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Clap for Jesus as you take. Clap for Jesus. We hope you have been blessed immensely by this message. Join us at 1734 Williamsbridge Road in the Bronx on Sunday afternoons and Tuesday evenings. For copies of this and other messages, contact us via email at lci.bronx at gmail.com.